0: Good evening, this is Patrick Donahue, appreciate you listening every week at this same time to Bible Crossfire. Hope you'll keep listening every week, and uh, if you have a Bible question or comment, you'd like to get on the air, call us, or you, can, if you don't want to be on the air and you have a Bible question, you want to, or talk to me, you can call me after the program's over, no problem. Anytime throughout the week, what we have is, of course, we believe in this program, we believe the Bible is the only authority, it is the deciding authority, Second Timothy 3.16 says all scripture is given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine. So the way we're going to settle all doctrinal issues on this program is through the scriptures. It's not a matter of what Pat wants or what I think or what I would like it to be or what's the most politically correct or what will bring in the most people. What will bring in the biggest contribution is actually what does the Bible say? Now, and I can be wrong, but the Bible is not going to be wrong. So if I can prove what I'm saying by the Bible, then it's going, to be, it's going to be right because the Bible is God's Word. It's inerrant, as they say, without error. I hope you believe that. If you would, if you have a Bible question, let's look to the inerrant, without error, Word of God, and see what the Bible has to say. It's not going to tell us the answer to every single question. I mean, if you want to learn about physics, force equal mass times acceleration, you're probably not going to learn that from the Bible. But if you want to know what to do to please God, and after all, we have to please God to be saved. If you want to know what to do to please God, you're going to look to the Bible, in particular for us, the New Testament, since that's the law that we're under today. While we're waiting on our first call, I thought we'd look at 1 John chapter 1 and study that chapter. 1 John chapter 1. Before I start, if you have a Bible question or comment, The announcer has already said, if you'll give us a call at 877-655-6755. The lines are wide open, so if you have trouble getting in sometimes, now's a good time to call 877-655-6755 if you have a Bible question or comment. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. If we can't tell it from that verse, we know this is talking about Jesus Christ. Jesus was from the beginning. Uh, he's called the Word. Well, I think that most people that would remind them of John chapter 1, verse 1, talking about Jesus, of course, is in the beginning was the Word. We know from Revelation 19 16, the Word is a name for Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Doesn't mean he's the Bible. I mean, you could have two different people with the same name. Uh, But so, Jesus is called the Word. That's a name for him. And the Bible, that's called the Word. Two different things with the same name. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, meaning Jesus was not God the Father. Then it says, and the Word was God. He's deity also. I mean, I'm a human. I have four kids. You would expect my kids to be human because I'm human. If God has a son, you would expect his son to also be God or deity, not God the Father. The Word was with God. the Word was God. So he was in the beginning. we're looking at First John chapter one verse one. He's, he's called the Word, the word of life. Uh, and it says, <clears throat> our hands we have looked upon him, our hands have handled him. He wasn't just a spirit. You know, God the Father just a spirit. Spirit hath no flesh and blood. But God, Jesus was, John 1, 14, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus had a human body. Even after he was resurrected from the dead, you'll remember we call him Doubting Thomas. Thomas wanted to see the nail print in his hands and the, the, the scar on his side. Jesus showed it to him in, in John twenty twenty seven. Reach hither thy finger and behold my hands and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side. Be not faithless but believing. Verse 28, Thomas answered and said, my Lord and my God. So Jesus had a body, a physical body. They handled him. They touched him. They saw him. Um, <clears throat> we'll take this call, and then we'll come back to First John 1, Lord willing. Bible Crossfire, go ahead, your you question or comment? Terry from Canada, go ahead.
1: Yes, now my question is, I've got a few buddies that we talk Bible verses with, that I'm kind of a... A new believer for four or five years came quite a ways but these guys are questioning, well the Bible talks about the four corners of the earth and the bi- and the earth is supposed to be round
0: yeah you know the earth yeah. is round I've seen pictures yeah. of the earth from up in space it's round the Bible yeah. is not trying to talk about whether or not the earth is round or square by calling it the four corners of the earth. The Bible is using accommodative language, just like we do. We might say the sun rises in the east. But we all understand by that that, uh, that it's not the sun that's moving, but it's the earth that moves around the sun, even though we say the sun is rising, right? Yeah, yeah right. So it's accommodative language, and you're looking at the earth from on the ground level, you might say it looks like it has four corners, and it's just trying to say the four corners of the earth from one end to the other, the, the whole thing. It's not trying to comment, uh, scientifically upon the, based on whether or not the earth is a sphere or a, or a rectangle. Okay, Terry, does that make sense? It's using accommodative language, just like we use accommodative language. Right
1: on. Well, yeah, no, it does make sense. Yeah. No, that's uh, great.
0: I mean, you don't think the earth, you don't think the sun is, actually rising and moving the sun is moving we understand it's the earth revolving on its axis that causes it to look like the sun is rising and we use that as accommodative language
1: yeah okay well, that makes sense for sure you betcha
0: appreciate your call terry
1: okay thanks a lot Ma- okay,
0: thanks maybe we God. can have a study sometime and talk about more of that there's a, i think there's some other things i could show you where the bible uses accommodative language like that and the way we huh? use it in everyday language but ha- you have a good yeah. Have a good evening. Thanks for your call, Terry. Right.
1: Well, thanks for taking my
0: call. All right, bye. Joseph, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hello? Hey, Joseph, where about you from? I live in North Alabama.
1: I'm from uh, Canada.
0: Canada, what's your bi- You got a Bible question or comment for us?
1: Yes. Does the Bible mention anything about drug usage in the end times, that there will be a big portion of people on drugs? Uh,
0: I don't recall the Bible talking about in the end times that there would be anything about drugs. I don't recall any passage like that. Now, the Bible does talk about the end times. For example, in 2 Peter chapter 3, Joseph, verses 3 through 4, we know... Sounds like I lost Joseph. He must have got accidentally cut off. We know it's talking about the second coming of Christ because some people are mocking and saying, where's the promise of his coming? Verse 10 says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt, melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. So when the end comes, this, when Jesus comes back, the second coming of Christ, that's going to be the end of the world. There's a lot of passages that talk about the end times, and one thing that's very clear is the Bible never tells us or gives us any gives us any clues about when Jesus is coming back, when the end's going to be. and the reason is is Jesus the Bible compares his second coming as a thief in the in the night, a thief doesn't tell you when he's coming to steal something. When Jesus comes back, it's going to be like a thief. He's not going to tell you because he doesn't want you to wait till the last minute to get ready. He wants you to be ready at all times, and that's why the Bible doesn't tell us when the end is. God knows when the end is going to be, but he doesn't tell us. 2 Peter 3 says he's, he's putting off the second coming of Christ to give people more time to repent. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Joel from Tennessee, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hi, huh. looks like we lost that caller. Joel, if you want to call back, give us a call at 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755 if you have a Bible question or a comment. Two of those callers looked like they dropped off. You want to call back? We'll try to get you back on the air. So we're looking at 1 John chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. Read this way For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness and show unto you that, eter- that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you. That you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the, with His Son Jesus Christ. So what John is saying here is that he's declaring Christ, so the hearers can have fellowship with, with with Christians, the Father and the Son. You have to hear the gospel. You have to believe the gospel. You have to obey the gospel to have to be saved, to have fellowship with God. And so that's why John is declaring Christ, because you have to you have to have Christ to be accepted. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8 says, In flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So to to avoid flaming fire, the bad place, H-E-L-L, you have to know God, trust and believe in him, and you have to obey the gospel. So John is declaring Christ so that we can be saved because you have to know Christ, you have to obey Christ in order to be saved, have fellowship with God. Let's try Joel again, hopefully it won't get cut off. Joel from Tennessee, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please.
1: Uh, Yes, I was just wondering why some churches
0: baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost instead of using the name of Jesus Christ like in the book of Acts since the the baptism is for his death, burial, and resurrection, and it's his blood in the saving name. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, Joel, you may be getting confused, I can't be sure, but some people teach that when, for example, Acts 2.38 says to be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, when it says in the name of Jesus Christ that it's talking about what the baptizer is to say, and that's not what it's talking about at all. It's not talking about what the baptizer is to say. This is telling the person being baptized what they're to do. This verse is not addressed to the baptizer is to address to the person being baptized to do something in the name of christ would mean joel to do it by his authority for example my favorite tv program is the andy griffith show you familiar with that show joel uh yes so if barney fife somebody's speeding through mayberry and barney fife says stop in the name of the law what barney is saying is I, it's not just Barney Fife telling you to stop. It's the law of Mayberry. They've authorized me to stop you. So that's why Acts 38, Joel, doesn't contradict Matthew 28, verse 19, which says, go you therefore and teach all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. If these passages, Joel, were telling us what the baptizer is to say, like a, what's called the baptismal formula, then Matthew 28:19 would be saying the baptizer has to say the words Father, Son and Holy Ghost. And then the four passages in Acts like Acts 2:38 would be saying, you have to say the name Jesus. That would be a contradiction. That's one way we know for sure that Acts 2:38 and Matthew 28:19 are not telling the Baptizer what to say. They're telling the person being baptized what to do. Now let me illustrate that, Joel, with one more verse. In Colossians 3.17, you realize maybe that baptism is not the only thing that's supposed to be done in the name of Jesus. Colossians 3.17 says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. So whatever I do to serve the Lord, I'm supposed to do it in his name. For example, if my wife, being the husband, and this kind of job is usually for husbands, if she asks me to take out the garbage and I take out the garbage... I'm being a good husband. I'm to do that in the name of Jesus. But I don't think you think that means I have to say I take out this garbage in the name of Jesus. You follow what I'm saying, Joel? Uh, yes. But right after Acts 2.38, it said Peter said to the lame man at the gate, in the name of Jesus, be he healed. <laughs> yep. So so what you did, you just illustrated my point. So you you just said he said. You see, So you can do something in the name of Jesus and then you can describe what you're doing. If you're describing what you're doing, you say I do this in the name of Jesus. So the the doing of it and the saying of it are two different things. For example, taking out the garbage and saying I'm taking out the garbage are two different things. Doing something in the name of Jesus and saying you're doing something in the name of Jesus are two different things. Hopefully you wouldn't say that if you weren't doing it, but it's two different things and you just illustrated that for me. So in Colossians three seventeen, he says, whatever you do, do all in the name of the, of the Lord Jesus. So when I take out the garbage, when I kiss my wife, when I spank my child, I have to do that in the name of Jesus, meaning by the authority of Christ doesn't mean I have to say, I spank you in the name of Jesus or I kiss my wife in the name of Jesus or I take out the garbage in the name of Jesus. So we all know that. So deep down in Inherently, we all know what it means to do something in the name of Jesus. It means to do it by his authority has nothing, whatever to do with what you say. A person like a Catholic priest, a Catholic priest can sprinkle a little baby and say, I baptize you in the name of Jesus. Well, he's saying he's doing it in the name of Jesus, but is he? No, because Christ never authorized sprinkling babies for baptism. Acts 8, 35 through 37 when the unit wanted to be baptized, Philip said, if you believe, you may. you got to believe first before you can be baptized. And so baptizing an infant is not authorized by Christ. So even if you say, I do it in the name of Jesus, you can't do it in the name of Jesus. You can't baptize an infant in the name of Jesus because Jesus never authorized. It, it has nothing to do with what you say necessarily. It has, what, has to do with what you do. Are you doing it by the authority of Christ? You can't sprinkle anybody for baptism, because Romans chapter 6, verse 4, says, and I'm turning there in my Bible, if you want to turn yours, it says, therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. So when somebody dies and we take him out to the graveyard to bury them, does that mean we just sprinkle a little dirt on their head, or does it mean we put them all the way up under the ground? No, we know what buried means. It means put them all the way up under the ground. So this says we're buried with Christ in baptism, it's not going to mean sprinkle a little water on their head. It's going to mean bury them, put them all the way up under the water. We know that. You can't sprinkle a baby for baptism and it, and it be in the name of Christ. Even if you say, I baptize you in the name of Christ, you're not doing it in the name of Christ. So the saying, of saying I do it in the name of Christ and the actual doing something in the name of Christ are completely two different things. They should match up because whatever we say should match up with what we're doing. But they're two different things. And we see that from Colossians 3.17. We see that from comparing Acts 2.38, Matthew 28.19. If they're talking about what the baptizer is to say, like a baptismal formula, then you have a contradiction in the Bible. Matthew 28.19 would be saying, the baptizer is to say Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And Acts 2.38 would be saying, you got to say the name Jesus. That would be a contradiction. No, they're both mean the same thing. They're not talking about what the baptizer is to say. They're talking about what the one who's Who, Acts 2.38, the one being baptized is to do. Both of them are saying be baptized by the authority of Christ or by the authority of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. That's the same thing. Appreciate that good question. If you have another Bible question, call us at 877-655-6755. And the number to call is 877-655-6755. Back in 1 John chapter 1, let me, let's look at verses 4 and 5. It says, And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him, and declaring to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Now, light here represents truth, righteous, goodness. Darkness represents sin. So in God and in the light, both of these, it says that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So in God, in the light, there is no sin, zero. That brings us brings us to verse number six. But if you have a Bible question or comment, we'd love for you to call in and make a comment or a question. 877-655-6755. Verse six says, If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. So if you're walking in sin, which is d- represented by darkness here, It is a lie to say you have fellowship with God. I mean, Romans 6, 23 says, For the wages of sin is death. Sin leads to spiritual death. Isaiah 59, 2 says, Your iniquities have separated between you and your God. Sin separates us from God. So if we're in sin, it's a lie to say we're in fellowship with God. No, we're spiritually dead. We're separated from God by our sin. Verse 7 says, but if we walk in the light, that's as opposed to walking in darkness, verse 6. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Now, walking in the light is equivalent to, how about Second John, verse 6, walk after his commandments. How about Third John, verses 3 through 4, walk us in the truth or walk in the truth. Or how about Galatians two fourteen? Walking uprightly according to the truth of the gospel. Walking in the light is simply a way of saying doing what God says, doing what his word says, doing what the Bible says. So verse 7 is saying if you obey God, if you do what the Bible says, then you'll have fellowship with God and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son will cleanse you from sin. So remember, we are to walk in the light as God is in the light. That's what it says. If we walk in the light as God, as he is in the light. But verse 6 says... Verse 5 says, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. So there's no darkness or sin in the light. We have to walk in the light as God is in the light. We'll get back to that in a minute. Leanne from Washington, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Do you have to be baptized? Well, what you mean do you have to be baptized to be saved?
1: Okay, um know, I, I was saved when I was a young girl. I was like 13 years old. I accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but I have never been baptized, and I'm headed into retirement now. I just wonder, is there big importance on being baptized? Should I be baptized? That's basically my question.
0: Yes. Now, Leanne, I read a passage about five minutes ago that here's what it said. I'll just read it again. Peter's talking in Acts 2.30, and he's talking to believers and he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Could you understand what I was reading there, Leanne? Yes, I
1: understood that. I understood that.
0: So, so in order so to so get that's the saying the that
1: spirit, you have to be baptized?
0: Yes. And in order to get the remission or forgiveness of sins, you have to be baptized. It says, repent and be baptized okay. for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So, So you can't. Get the forgiveness of sins and you can't get to the gift of the Holy Ghost without being baptized. Is that, isn't that what that verse is saying?
1: I say? see. I Here, see. I let me, yeah, let so me I tell you I about can. another Thank verse. Okay.
0: okay. Hey, you want to hear another verse?
1: Yes, I do.
0: Leon, uh, Leon, I was going to read Leon. to you Mark 16, 16. Okay. Jesus says okay. in Mark 16, 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Sorry. So according okay. to Jesus, what two things do you have to do to be saved?
1: Be baptized. You have to be baptized. Says, yeah,
0: I think baptized. you you want to turn your radio down, Leanne. If you have your radio on oh, because okay. of the delay, it's going to confuse you. You see what I'm saying? Okay, right. So turn your it. radio on. There's another passage in First Peter 3.21 that says, Baptism doth also now save you. Do, Leanne, do you think God would say that baptism saves you if you didn't have to be baptized to be saved?
1: No, I agree. Yeah. No, okay,
0: that would be totally confusing. Right. And then another one more verse. You remember okay. Saul of Tarsus later became known as Paul. He, The right. Lord appeared to him on the road to Damascus. According to Acts 9, he believed in Jesus. But then three days later, Ananias was sent to him by Jesus to tell him what to do. In Acts twenty two sixteen, he said to Paul, arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Now, he had already believed in Christ three days before. But now he's telling him to right. be baptized to get his sins washed away. So, so we're all agreed, Leanne, Leanne, that the blood of Christ washes away our sins. The question is, when does the blood of Christ wash away our sins? When we believe or when we're baptized? When you See my baptized. point? Yeah,
1: when we're baptized. Yeah, when we're baptized. You he totally answered my question. Okay, thank all you. Right. I thank you, Leanne. It. Okay, uh, appreciate you call. Yes. Bye.
0: All right, bye-bye. So bye bye. So we're looking at First John chapter one verse seven. We have to walk in the light as God is in the light. Now, does that mean we're going to live perfectly? No. But it does mean that uh, living perfectly is our goal, that whenever we fall short of that, we're disappointed and need to repent. Uh, let's take a call. I don't know if we have enough time. Guy from Mississippi. Go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please.
1: You know, I was asking this. If we're supposed to live by the whole Bible, why does 90% of the population that profess to be Christian, and I'm not saying they're not, why don't they live by the Ten Commandments?
0: Okay. The reason is, is because there are many passages, Guy, like Hebrews chapter 7, verse 12, I'm going to read that to you. It says, for the priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity a change also of the law. Now, guy, when you change your oil in your car, let's say it takes four quarts. You drain out the four dirty quarts and you put in four new quarts. Am I right? Yeah. You don't ever put in two of those old quarts of oil to try to save a little money, do you? That would defeat the whole purpose of changing the oil, right? That's true. So this verse in Hebrews 7, 12 says there's been a change of the law. That means we there's been a change of law. We completely replaced the Old Testament law with the New Testament law. So today, as Christians, we don't live under the law of Moses. That was the, the Israelites' leader. We live under the law of Christ, the New Testament law. Christ is our leader. And that explains why that we don't have to keep the Old Testament law anymore. But people, you're right. A lot of people who claim to be Christians are not obeying God's law, the New Testament law. But Jesus said in Hebrews five nine, I mean, I'm, I, it's talking about Jesus. Not he said it. It says, being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation to all them that obey him. So we have to obey Jesus in order to be saved. If you would like a free one hour phone Bible study with me at your convenience, call or text me. Thank you for listening to Bible Cross we examine.